With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. As we wrapped up bowl season, kind of talked about the early signing period a little bit on the last show. Just uh, going to dive into some other kind of newsworthy, noteworthy things that happened around the league. Uh, Joe Lonergan back with you again alongside Mr. Eric Henry. How you doing on this fine January day, sir? I'm doing all right. I cannot complain. Um, I'm going to kind of bring the listeners in here inside our our little podcast for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we were doing, you know, we normally get together and do some show prep. Uh, I know sometimes it may not sound as if we actually do show prep, but we do from time to time. Uh, And Joe mentioned that he he was occupied yesterday to tape the podcast. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's kind of left at that as if, you know, he was running errands or had something to do. But he neglected to mention that uh, it was Mr. Lonergan's birthday. So uh, (laughs) belated happy birthday, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I... uh... I was working for most of the day, and then we, me and the girlfriend did dinner, so it was just, it was a lot of things going on, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Joe just, he kind of, you know, stepped around the rug, brushed off, like, yeah, I'm occupied, and didn't uh, mention his birthday, so congrats, welcome to the other side of, uh, of the mid-20s. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm over the hill on my 20s, so, I, <laughs> as stupid as that is to say, but, like, it's weird, like, de- as... Not to make this like I'm an old 26-year-old man type whatever thing, but like in the past three days, like I got – I was sore from going hiking. I ate like a weird greasy meal, which usually never affects me, but I've been nauseous for like two days. And then I celebrated my birthday over the weekend, so I had a little mini hangover and that lasted like – 10 hours longer than it usually does. I was like, oh no, is this what it's like? <laughs> Listen, man, as someone who's exactly one year older than you, I'm telling you, this is exactly what it is. I, uh, <laughs> New Year's, New Year's uh, Day, actually, no, I'm sorry, Christmas Day, uh, I went like down to my park and went and, went and hooped. And I, you know, when you're 18, you can go hoop for like five hours straight and nothing, you know, nothing's going to happen. Dude, I was sore like I got hit by a truck for like a <laughs> week after going hooping. And then uh, I, I took a nap on my couch uh, earlier this week and I woke up and like my entire right side has been like numb so yeah i'm pretty sure this is the end of life it's just all downhill for both of us <laughs> just hello hello darkness my old friend <laughs> well no. we'll spare the, the, the listeners the rest of us uh you know moaning complaining like old man we'll jump to uh, a little bit of cusa football here <laughs> that's a that's a whole other podcast just whiny 26 27 year olds <laughs> Um, 
Exactly. Uh, but uh, bringing it back to Conference USA football, uh, UAB finished the season undefeated with the big bowl win, so that was great for them, and then wrapped up the celebrating with a parade the other day through the streets of Birmingham, and um, good for them. It just seemed like they had a good crowd. I like the fact that um, a lot of different entities in Birmingham really kind of at least, if nothing else, they kind of got signage out there and really showed support for that program as kind of part of, like, the city's identity. Uh, I think, like, the USG, in particular, I saw the USGA had some had some stuff out there. So that was, that was really good to see for them. Um, and really, it kind of comes full circle on, like, what they brought to that program. Do you see any of that stuff on social? Yeah, I absolutely did. And, and I'm right there with you. I think it's great. One of the things... You know, and I kind of touched on it a couple of uh, podcasts prior, is that it's been great to see how this community has really rallied around the program since it was dropped, you know, because mm-hmm. it always seemed as if UAB, if if you're guys like us, you know, who follows TUSA football or, or follow G5 football, we always knew about UAB, but uh, it, it didn't necessarily get the support in Alabama, and, and you know, rightfully so, as opposed to a uh, Alabama or Auburn, and I guess you didn't realize just... Um, you know, what kind of dire straits the program was prior to it being shut down. And now it's just, you know, like you said, it's come full circle. I think it's great that they've really rallied around this thing. And and I I think Birmingham, you know, they can kind of, sure, I'm sure that's Alabama. Some of it is Alabama territory. Some of it it's Auburn territory. But I think it's cool that Birmingham can really rally around that program and say, hey, we've got a winner. This is ours. You know what I mean? UAB. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's great, and, uh, and and it's been really interesting to see how how positive it was received um, in, in comparison to maybe some other uh, um, uh, college football teams that have had parades over the past few years. But you know, all things considered, man, I think it's just great to see UAB, uh, you know, just really rally around that program and Bill Clark's got going thing, got things going in the right direction. So good to see. Yeah, and and you brought it up about this being perceived the way it was versus how uh, it may have been perceived when some other programs have kind of done it. Um, Let's just call it what it is. UCF kind of did something last year when they went undefeated and won their bowl game and all that. Um, You might have seen something about how that celebration went down, but they had a parade too. And um, I haven't seen too many people or really anybody kind of raise issue with the way that, uh, you know, UAB celebrated this with the parade so that's kind of an interesting juxtaposition in my opinion with um how uab celebrating this way uh versus how it got received when ucf more or less did the same thing last year and for the record i have no problem with either team doing what they did sure yeah and as you said i I might have seen it as the resident knight here on the podcast of course i it was something that i did see last year this is kind of my take on it and i will throw it back to you to see you know what you think Mm -hmm. here's here's what really kind of happened is that i felt that the first year not not this past year the last uh football season 2017 football season ucf's undefeated year was really kind of received in a similar fashion as uab's until the national championship claim, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, hey, you know, the underdog, they're they're really, you know, doing it for the G5s. And and, and it seemed, it, it's it's hard to believe because it, now it seems if UCF is kind of like, you know, they're that wrestling heel, they're that bad guy. They've now taken on the mantra of being, you know, essentially, hey, or at least their, their social media, their Twitter presence is taking on the, the mantra of being, you know, the heel. But there was a time when, when that parade and that kind of environment around UCF was really perceived as a positive thing until the national championship claim. So I think that's really what kind of changed the, the atmosphere and the reception of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm curious to see what you think, but overall, 
Yeah, I think as far as UCF goes, that's that's kind of a label that they're going to have to wear from now on. Whether and some of that has trickled down to his football team, where you see some of the players saying, "Yeah, you know, um, Adrian Killings saying like, hey, you know, we don't care about Auburn speed, we got UCF speed," or uh, you know, them not really backing down. They kind of have to wear that mantra of being, you know, the the G five bad guy for for lack of a better phrase. And it's not necessarily something that they wanted, but I think it's something they've taken on given how hard they've pushed a national championship claim. But to bring it all the way back around, I think that's the reason why uh, the two the two situations were perceived differently and also UAB didn't go undefeated but I think it's the national championship claim that has rubbed some people the wrong way what are your, uh, your thoughts on that did UAB didn't finish the season undefeated did they they did not <laughs> okay did not. so great <laughs> good, good start then um but uh finished the season with a winning record certainly with conference winning record, champ- yeah. yeah finished the season conference champions won the bowl game um but yeah, I think either way, if you're UCF or UAB, um, celebrate however you want. I mean, at this point, it's just kind of a matter of like creating fan culture, right? Like, I think in both situations with UCF being in Orlando, which is very heavy, you know, Gators territory or whatever, and then UAB obviously being in Alabama, and they have one or two programs that, uh, you know, have pretty big fan bases. I think you kind of have to do things like that to really, like, set yourself apart and make your mark in a certain region in order to build fan affinity, right? So I really don't have any problem with it, and I think it's kind of creative in terms of, like, the things that both schools have done. But um, with UAB in particular, um, I think if if you're really upset about, you know, people kind of taking pride in where UAB was and uh, what they had to fight through to get where they are now, like, that's that's just wasted emotion in my opinion. So I I think both of them were, were good, honestly. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, my final thought, you know, for those who listen to the podcast, if you if, if you're a regular listener, I'm sure you pretty much can tell this about Joe and I. We both are, are kind of fans of anarchy in a sense. <laughs> um, we I, I don't have an issue with, you know, breaking the status quo and choosing to celebrate however you want to celebrate. So uh, I, I don't think it's going to. You know, I don't think that's affecting the sanctity of college football if you choose to throw a parade because you went undefeated and, and want to celebrate a good year. You know, more power to you. For sure. For sure. Um We'll kind of move on from that then, but um, certainly a good topic of discussion and a good note to see where UAB football is right now, and it's definitely in a very good place. Um, Another kind of noteworthy thing, we know when Western Kentucky spring game is going to be now, April 13th. Um, So that'll be kind of an interesting first step in seeing where the program is now that uh, they've had some guys transfer out. It's a new coaching staff, um, had some, some folks graduate. Um, and we, you know, may or may not see what position battles are coming up. So I think that's going to be interesting for the Hilltoppers. Um, but kind of bringing it into kind of a talk about spring games as a whole, um, just up the road in Louisville, actually, they are not doing a spring game this year in, in Scott Satterfield's first year at the helm. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to do. And, you know, I, some people in that alumni base were really upset and I'm kind of in the camp of like, I don't really care. Like as a student, I only really, uh, went to the spring game because, uh, when I was an upper class and I was working it and as an underclassman, they sold beer <laughs> for like a quarter. So uh, yeah, I didn't really like, I don't know. I think people make a little bit too big of a deal about spring games sometimes in college football, but I think 
in this case with Western, I think it's going to provide some interesting position info on position battles. Uh, you went the spring game route, and in your explanation, you talked about your experience at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go and just you know veer, make a left here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said in your time uh, as uh, <laughs> you said as an uh, as an underclassman, you, they sold beer. Um, mm-hmm. Do you care to elaborate on that, sir? <laughs> well, I mean, for one, I, when I'd say I was an underclassman, I was – I think by the time I, I got to Louisville – I not to kind of derail this with an explanation of my college journey, but uh, I, w- I think I was right on the border of like 2021 and uh, okay. so right around that era because I, di- I didn't come to Louisville till I was 20, I want to say. But anyway, um, right. I, I, I may I'm or may sorry, not. Sorry, Joe. I'm, I'm not. I'm not the cops. You just you just said that, and it just stood out to me. You know, I. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. That, that 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 aside, that aside. To bring it back to Western Kentucky, uh-huh. um, I'm really interested in seeing the quarterback battle. First off, if there is one. Um, but with that being said, you know, I think you have Kavaris Thompson. You have uh, uh, Davis Shanley, who I think that's going to be uh, very interesting. So I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that quarterback battle. Um, it's something that we saw last year um, under Mike Sanford, and it's something that I'm pretty sure we're going to see again this year. Uh, so that's mainly why I'm interested in Western Kentucky, because I think that if they can get the quarterback position taken care of, and, and last year was a bit of a, of a you know, rotating door of, of you know, who's going to start, who's going to play, who's going to finish. So if they can get that taken care of, they can get the program trending in the right direction. So, Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be something to watch. And uh, hopefully we get to, particularly with the offensive line and the quarterback, I think hopefully just shoring up those two areas in particular, I think is going to should be a priority for this offense. Um but that's kind of enough about that, I guess. And we'll move on to some news out of Denton. Uh, some of you might remember uh, North Texas wide receiver Keegan Brewer as the guy who made the uh, fake punt return for a touchdown against Arkansas. Um, he is now uh, accepting a job as a firefighter in the Frisco area. So uh, leaving the football program to uh, pursue a, a higher calling, as it were. And that's kind of a theme this year in Conference USA um, with uh, Blake LaRusa also kind of leaving football for another career option. And um, kind of interesting that those two things happen in the same year, I guess. But obviously, if that's something he feels called to do, good luck to him. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned that, you know, he, he left, uh, the kid in North Texas left, a, you know, for a higher calling, and Blake LaRusa left for, you know, the highest of callings, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in going to seminary school. So, I mean, yeah, I, all jokes aside, I am a huge fan of college athletes, student athletes in general, being independent thinkers. I, I don't think you have to subscribe to the theory that, hey, I'm here at college and, you know, whatever sport that I, that I, I have chosen to play and I'm skilled enough to get a scholarship in or, or you walk on that, you know, you have to eat, sleep and breathe that sport. Uh, I, I think student athletes should be afforded the same liberties that we were afforded as, you know, just regular students. So if, if you, your heart says, hey. Uh, I, I played sports for X period of time and I want to go, whether it's seminary school or be a firefighter. I remember there was a kid, um, I'm, Jay Harris actually was his name. He's a wide receiver out of Fort Lauderdale, a uh, little south of here. And he got a scholarship, I believe it was to West Virginia a few years back. And, and, and he dropped out to, uh, to be a rapper. You know, I mean, like, hey, more power to you. Um, so, yeah, I'm always a fan of, of 
athletes and, and people in general being independent thinkers and, and hey, um, what do we always say? You know, the percentage of, of student athletes who will go on to be professionals in said sport is very low. So uh, why not go ahead and earn an honest living and pursue your passion and, and, and have another passion outside of football, which I think is great. So more power to them. Yeah, you make an interesting point about uh, the vast majority of student athletes don't go pro as athletes. Um, Like the commercial says, they go pro and something else. But um, I think this is just kind of one of those situations where it's it, it grabs your attention because he still had eligibility left. You know what I mean? It's he's not leaving school. Should clarify, going to finish his degree right. while he goes to work in Frisco. Um, but it's it is just something that um, isn't that out of the ordinary. But um, I certainly North Texas uh, losing a receiver in that kind of offense, you know, could be impactful on them. It could not. But um, just something to take note of, I guess, for if you're a Mean Green fan. Yeah, yeah, and, and you mentioned the fact that he still had eligibility, and as you were mentioning that, another name came to mind. I don't know if you remember this story, Joe. Uh, Danny Watkins, I, I'm for the life of me, I'm forgetting what school he came from, mm-hmm. but he was a first-round pick of Philadelphia. I believe it was it was Philadelphia uh, as an offensive lineman, and he retired, you know, ended up being a, a, a what they call a bust. You know, he didn't live up to his draft billing, mm-hmm. but he retired to be a firefighter, and he, he's been a firefighter for like four or five years now, and, and hey, uh, he realized like that's my passion you know I, I, if my memory serves me correct he was even um, doing that in the off season in addition to training while he still was in the league so to bring it all the way back around to the kid from North Texas if, if you just make up your mind now and say hey this is what I want to do um, I have why wait you know so um, I, I don't think and I'm not saying that you're saying this I don't think that uh, it's it's a disservice to his teammates or anything like that you know I'm sure they'll understand that hey um, this is just what my passion is now, and I'm going for it. So, you know, more power to them. Love, uh, love free thinkers. So, go for it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely support him, and uh, hopefully, it works out for him. Um, Absolutely. But we'll move on to the next topic we had on the docket here. Um, Eric, you wrote an interesting article for UDD earlier this week about um, how these kids that play really well in the G5 end up um, moving on to pursue graduate transfer opportunities outside of the G5. Um, and you brought up some good examples. Uh, Gardner Minshew was one uh, for the WKU people. Dennis Edwards left to uh, Purdue. Um, but I thought that was kind of an interesting piece on your part. Um, and I know you kind of had some stuff about that that you wanted to go into. So I will leave the floor open to you then. Yeah, yeah, sure, Joe. So part of the reason I wanted to talk about the article was, you know, obviously when you write something, you put it out there, it's open for interpretation. uh, And and the responsibility is on me as the writer to try to get what's in my head out effectively. But I just kind of want to, I guess, clear up some things. First off, I kind of got some feedback, whether it was uh, amongst uh, Underdog Dynasty writers on our own, you know, chat page, or whether it was on Twitter or whatnot, that um, I was one of two things, either A, anti-transfer, or B, um, opposed to, or excuse me, saying that that these G5 programs are just, you know, they're in danger of, of, of falling off the face of the earth because uh, a player chooses to transfer from a G5 to a P5. And that's not exactly what I'm saying. Um, first off, I'm not anti-transfer. Anyone who listens to this podcast and knows me know that I am all for people transferring. If, it, if coaches can leave at any given time, I think players should be able to leave and be able to play immediately. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, and it's going to, you know, get into some numbers here 
there were 157 uh, transfers last year, or grad transfers last year. 22% of them, which were 37, uh, went from G5 to P5, and 50 went from P5 to G5. So obviously, it's not as if you know P5s are losing a, uh, their entire roster to. Excuse me, it's not if G5s are losing their entire rosters to P5s. However. You have to take into account players like Gardner Minshew, players like Juwan Johnson. Uh, let's start with Minshew, for example. Minshew was a guy who, you know, for better or worse, he was an average player at East Carolina, and, and he had been named the starter by Scotty Montgomery in the offseason, but you know, he, he said, hey, you know, uh, initially he said he was going to transfer, be closer to his family. Uh, he actually came out and gave a statement to the East Carolina newspaper afterwards when he announced he was going to Washington State and apologized and said, hey, I didn't leave in the right way. And, and obviously, uh, for a kid from Mississippi going to Washington, state of Washington, it's not exactly close to be with your family, right? But he went to be in a, in a system that's very quarterback friendly with Mike Leach and more power to him. He realized that, hey, uh, any chance I have of maximizing my college potential is, is a better fit at Washington State as opposed to being here at ECU. Awesome. Uh, but this is what the one that I think, if you're a fan of G5 football, you might want to take note of. Uh, a kid from Northern Illinois, Juwan Johnson, his lone college, or excuse me, his lone FBS, Division I uh, FBS offer was from Northern Illinois coming out of high school. He takes that offer and he, you know, repays that dividend, that investment twofold. Uh, he ends up having a great year. Uh, his his junior year had like 98 tackles, something like 14 sacks. You know, great year, five interceptions. Um, and he chose to transfer to Texas Christian for his final year. And I'm going to read the quote here directly. <clears throat> he said, uh, it hurts me, but it's a business decision. It's time for me to do what I do without the Mac. And he had kind of been frustrated at the, it felt that there was some lack of recognition for his play. And all in all, it was about him getting to the next level. Now, if you're a fan of G5 football, you don't want to see one of your best players, you know, playing at the small school and then choose and say, hey, if, if, for me to get to the next level, I've got to go ahead and go to a P5. Uh, Joe, you you are, you know, a resident of Western Kentucky guy. You see a guy like Dennis Edwards. Would Dennis Edwards have made Western Kentucky a bowl team last year? That's hard to say. The answer is probably no. But you can't sit here and tell me that Western Kentucky got better with Dennis Edwards choosing to leave. Rice had their struggles last year. Calvin Anderson, JT Ibe, uh, they had three guys who, who all chose to, to leave and play elsewhere and, and went to P5. So the major point that I want to get across here in this and just kind of expanding on the article is that I don't think that G5 football is in danger. I don't have a problem with players choosing to transfer. I'm all for it. I just think if, if you're if you're a fan of a G5 program, you might want to take note that you know this is a trend. Grad transfers are something that, uh, unless you know your memory may be better than mine, Joe. The first grad transfer that I really remember um, going that route was Russell Wilson going from NC State to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not something that's been you know going on from the beginning of NCAA football. It's something that's really um, kind of jumped onto the scene within the past five to seven years. And at, with the way it's trending now, you will see more and more and more players transfer from G5 to, to P5. So it's just something you want to keep an eye on. And the latest one happened at the school that I cover. Furman Silva has entered into the transfer portal. Uh, he's one of FIU's best players. And granted, he, he missed all of or most of last season with an injury. And there's a lot of depth at the position that he plays. So it's not like FIU will be hurt tremendously with the loss, but you can't say that FIU is getting better with Furman choosing to leave. So that's, you know, I just kind of want to clear that up and, and talk that out. So uh, I think I've gone on for about six minutes now, so I'll let Joe jump in.
No, I think it's, I think the um, anger about the idea of guys transferring out to go to P5s is misplaced. I mean, ending relationships is always tough and there's always going to be hurt feelings, you know, in both a personal professional sense, whatever you want to call it. So I don't really think saying that, you know, A, when you see people like get mad and say things on Twitter to guys who transfer out, that's obviously not the way to go. Um, of course. But I'm kind of interested to um, hear your thoughts on like, I, I understand that guys leaving to go play at another tier of college football isn't great for the overall product of G5 football. Um, but I guess how do you kind of compensate for that? Do you uh, recruit in a way that plans for guys to transfer out? That way you have kind of a next man up system in place or uh, do you put more effort into like making a program that guys don't want to transfer out of? And I know like the ideal answer is you put resources into your program that makes guys not want to transfer out. But at the same time, like that just doesn't always happen. So do you do the other thing? Like what, what do you think? I'm going to give you two answers for that question, Joe, and I'll use two examples here in the state of Florida. UCF is kind of obviously or not kind of they are the exception to the rule when it comes to a G5 in the sense that over the past two years they've created this great environment which is now seen uh, Notre Dame's Brandon Wimbush actually transfer mm -hmm. in and that's almost unheard of right mm -hmm. but what they've been able to do is create this environment that that says hey why would you want to go elsewhere when you can get all the attention here at UCF? And that would be ideal. Obviously, not every G5 is going to be privileged enough to go undefeated for two straight years and create that type of environment. So here's the second part of my two-pronged argument, which is – excuse me um, – with FIU, one of the things that Butch Davis has done is, and obviously you have to have the talent and the depth to do this, across his offensive line and defensive line, for example, he's made a point to play eight and nine and ten guys in games because he wants to have he, – he wants his teams to be at least too deep at pretty much every single position. position. So that could be the, the alternative where you can say, hey – you know, obviously you have to be privileged enough to do this. Not every team, uh, some teams are struggling to go one deep, let alone two deep, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to, you might want to create an environment in which you can say, hey, I'm going to play eight offensive linemen. I'm going to play eight defensive linemen. I'm going to play, you know, multiple backers. So so if you have a guy who is, is blessed and privileged enough to uh, really excel and and clearly be an NFL player, NFL-type talent on the G5 level, if he chooses to make that move, which he, he deems best for him, I've got someone who's behind them who has experience and has played. Kind of like the example I give you with Furman Silva, who, uh, and with Furman, it was because he, he missed most of last season with an injury, but they had, Butch Davis was playing four and five defensive ends, uh, going too deep at defensive ends, so uh, the loss of Furman, while sub substantial because he's such a talented player and, and maybe someone's going to play on Sundays, you got guys who have been playing and, and they can step right in, so that would be the best way I can answer that question. Hmm. Um, so, do you think, you gave the example of Furman Silva, uh, who is transferring out, obviously, other than him, do you see or do you know of any other Conference USA guys who are uh, maybe going to leave their program and then could be an immediate impact for a P5 team? You know what? I, I haven't actually taken a look at guys 
uh, so far. This transfer portal thing is it's kind of taking everything by storm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I haven't I haven't taken a look um, at, at at some other guys, uh, it, but it's something that you know, and, and you mentioned that that may be something that I can revisit in an article and, and we can touch on at a later date because I think it's interesting. Uh, it, it might be something you have to keep an eye on to say, hey, you have a couple conference USA guys who are studs on their team, as we saw uh, in last last recruiting cycle with with Anderson and Dennis Edwards and, and guys like that mm-hmm. and maybe they'll be on P5 radars especially with I mean Joe uh, it, it seems like and I'm sure you see this it seems like every day someone's entering the transfer portal mm-hmm. it, it's not just you know it, it's not like a regular offseason like hey a kid might transfer might not it feels like every day there's one or two kids from any school who are entering this transfer portal and and once again I want to make a really quick point here um, our own Jared Kalmus he made an interesting point in talking about the article, and he said that he didn't feel that the analogy I used, which was college football's version of free agency, he, he kind of took issue with that. And, you know, it's, it's open to interpretation, but I do think it's analogous to free agency in the sense that in the NFL, if you sign a contract for four years, uh, you play maybe, maybe if you're lucky, you get to play all four years if you're not cut, and then you're free to do as you please. It's the same thing in college. Once you have fulfilled your requirements at your school, which is you've graduated, you're free to transfer as you please. So that's really quick why I called it the Coastal Walls version of free agency. But, uh, yeah, that would be something we can keep an eye on uh, the rest of this offseason to see who may or may not be on the move outside of Furman. Yeah, it's it's an interesting subject just because I, it's not like kids enter this whole situation of playing college football with the intent of, like, I'll get my uh, – you know, I'll graduate really quickly and then – you know, see where else I can go and where I can blow up. You know what I mean? Guys, I, I, you know, I don't feel like guys enter any college situation with that being the thought. A, that's not healthy. And I don't feel like you're going to enjoy that college experience. And it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So, but, so I think that's, I think you have a kind of a fair point in, um, you know, the way that a lot of programs approach the transfer portal and that it is a lot like free agency, but just getting to the point where you're eligible to do that is a lot different. It's a lot tougher. Let's put it that way. No, most definitely. It's not analogous to compare, you know, Hey, I've got to come fulfill the requirements of my degree as opposed to being a free agent in the NFL. Um, but in, in terms of your freedom to do as you please is analogous, but you're correct. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so with that, I think that's more or less all that we really had for the show. So, uh, with that, we'll move on to kind of talking about some programming notes then now that we've wrapped up the season, uh, we're getting closer to the draft and then we have the, the summer coming up, the, the dreaded summer where there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Um, we are kind of exploring some options to do some more episodes for you guys, some different kind of episodes for you guys. And one thing we wanted to do um, was kind of bring in a group of people who know each individual team in Conference USA um, in more depth than we do. Um, We have a couple lined up already, uh, folks that we know from the, you know, SBN network and from within Underdog Dynasty as well, actually. But the reason we're bringing this up is there are some teams out there that uh, maybe we don't cover super in-depth just because of our staffing restrictions or whatever, um, or they don't fall you know, 100% under our banner for whatever reason or another. So we're putting it out to you if 
you, the listener, know of some people out there who cover uh, your favorite Conference USA team in depth um, that you would like to see come on our show as a guest, uh, suggest them in the comments or on UDD or throw them at us on Twitter or whatever, and we'll do our best to bring them on. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan, as as you know. If you hopefully you are following us on Twitter, both of us are very active. We uh, we do reply. You know, we are we are not uh, that above uh, ourselves as to not reply. So uh-huh. we can uh, we can be reached. And yeah, if you have someone who you'd like to like to hear talk about your team, shoot it our way, and you know we'll do our best to get them on and uh, chat a little conference USA football here in the uh, in the dry season after uh, recruiting finishes up. Right. And um, you may recall last year we had a couple uh, folks from within the national media come on the show. The American guys did as well. Um, And then we had uh, Conference Commissioner Judy McLeod on the show, actually. And um, we're looking to get a few more guests of that caliber on the show as well for the rest of this offseason. And we'll keep you updated as that kind of rolls in. But other than that, I think that's all we really got for today. Sounds good. Looks like we'll wrap this one up. And yeah, we'll do our best to try to keep cranking out some content for you guys here. How about that, Joe? Sounds like a plan, Eric. Uh, So thank you guys for listening once again. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, Follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. And you can follow both of us on Twitter individually. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. I am at uh, J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Uh, And then like Underdog Dynasty on Facebook as well. And keep coming back every day, every week uh, for this long, 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 long offseason until we get football again. Uh, Thank you so much. Happy football watching, everybody. Mm